When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And the good news is that Met Aaron are telling us that the fine weather that we had at the weekend is going to extend and it's even going to improve over the next five days. Tomorrow and Wednesday going to be the finest uh, of the weather conditions across this week. Spells of sunshine, little uh, cloud, no rainfall. Uh, temperatures 19 could even go to 20 degrees in some areas and if it does go to 20 degrees that will make it 7 degrees higher than it was last Friday and that's incredible in a few short days that the temperature would jump uh, by that much. Be careful though if you're out and about in the fine weather Irish water safety obviously urging people to exercise extreme care if you're engaging in water sports um, and what often happens is when we get these fine spells of weather early in the summer people you know going to the beaches going to local swimming places wanting to cool off but the water temperatures are still going to be uh, lower while it's warm outside we still haven't had enough time for the water to warm up so do uh, be careful and the Irish Coast Guard are also warning people to exercise care particularly along unfamiliar stretches of the coastline and you, you probably saw this on, on the news and certainly there was a lot on it on social media uh, three US students had to be rescued in Kerry after they were trapped by the tide near uh, Dingle and the Irish uh, Coast Guard and other rescue services in Kerry uh, kicked in and it was a very very successful rescue thank God but the fine weather at the weekend but tens of thousands of people out enjoying the sunshine. There was festivals on, there was sporting events. I mean, did I, did I read somewhere that 50,000 people were at the opening match uh, at uh, Porky Cueve for the match that uh, saw the Rebels take on their great rivals Tipperary and we know what way that went. Uh, good news for Tipperary people, bad news certainly for uh, Cork people but it was fantastic to see Porky Cueve looking so well in the glorious sunshine. And on Saturday there was a lot of little First Holy Community 
Dominicans uh, walking around. Gorgeous to see the little ones in their white dresses. And I saw a few of them out and about uh, yesterday. And when the sun is shining, especially for the little girls, I mean, you want it for the little boys as well, but for the little girls, uh, it really is uh, lovely. And one of our own, who we class as one of our own here on the programme, little Anna Brown from Mallow, uh, who came to our attention when her, her mom Evelyn, and the rest of the family set up the Anna, Anna's Dream to Dance fundraising campaign that saw little Anna go to the States to have the life-altering surgery and she had it done last year and we only recently had her in in studio and she walked in so straight into the studio it was terrific uh, to see it and of course her big dream then was to get proper little First Holy Communion shoes. You know the ones that have got a little bit of a tiny little bit of a heel on them and all the little girls want to wear those kind of their first really grown up pair of shoes for their Holy Communion. That was going to be an issue for Anna. So she was practising walking in the shoes and delighted to report that she did walk into the church in her own special little First Holy Communion shoes. And I know John Paul Thanks to Evelyn, her mum, uh, allowed us to put up a photograph over the weekend and there was a big, big reaction uh, to it. So it was one of those really good news stories that just... And she looked beautiful, as all the little boys and girls do on their first Holy Communion. But it was a very, very special day for uh, little Anna Brown and we're so glad that it all went off so well. Now, coming up on the programme today, we are going to be dealing with the topic of elder abuse on the programme. It's not the easiest of topics to deal with, but it's a topic that we must deal with and it's a topic that we need to talk about. And by talking about it, we might be able to give some older person listening the courage and the realisation to know that this is wrong. It shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be. And you know, in the main, it's happening in the elderly person's own home where they're living in fear of somebody. And the majority of cases, it's a family member. And a lot of elder abuse, sadly, is at the hands of an adult son or daughter who are living with the older person. And the older person just so afraid of, so afraid of the person, but also so afraid to speak up because what's going to happen to me? And if it's, if it's a carer, if it's the, the, the adult child is also the carer, the older person is afraid if I speak up will I end up in a nursing home I don't want to end up in a nursing home what's going to become of me who's going to look after me and it's just it's shocking it's absolutely shocking so we were contacted by a lady who we're just calling Mary that's not her real name obviously to protect her she contacted us last week to talk about the issue and then she contacted us to say she'd like to talk about it on air now we were caught in that she couldn't do a live recording because she was afraid that the adult son would uh, walk in on top and hear her talking. We also had to make sure when we rang her that we rang her from a blocked number because he goes through her phone. And it just, it's, it's, it's one of those horrible stories. It's just, you want to, I personally want to stand in front of this guy and I just want to, I want to rip the head off him, to be very honest. And, and I'm not a violent person, but I really do. I want to shout, stop, leave your mother alone, get out of the house, move. You know, nobody wants you here, go. Anyway, we will hear her story. Um, And we are also going to back it up then by talking with the senior helpline. And the senior helpline, while they were listening here for older people and a lot of the work the senior helpline uh, does, it combats loneliness. 
and it's you know an elderly person there's nobody else to talk to nobody to pick up the phone and ring so they can ring senior the senior helpline and it's a wonderful organisation it's peer to peer support so they're speaking speaking with another older person but they also deal with this issue of elder abuse and they try to help the person and support the person particularly if the older person decides I've had enough I want to do something about it so we've asked Anne Dempsey of the senior helpline to listen in firstly on the interview that I conducted with Anne uh, last Friday and then also to offer advice to Anne and to offer advice to others because it's one of the reasons that Anne bless her heart contacted us Besides, you know, we were trying to give her our own support and and help as best we could and advice and and pointing her in the right direction of what she needs to do and where she needs to go. But she said that she wants to get the message out to other older people for them to know that this is not acceptable and there's some, you know, you need to do something about it. So she's she's very brave. She's she's a very uh, brave uh, lady. So uh, we'll talk more uh, about that in a couple of minutes. Then after 11... We're going to be uh, hooking up with the good people of Bally Desmond. They were and are reacting with sadness, disappointment and outrage to the news that Kerry County Council has granted planning permission for a battery storage facility for wind turbines. And people living in the area are fearful. Not of the, I don't think they're actually fearful of the storage facility itself, but it's what happens if something goes wrong at the storage facility. And the big worry with these big, there's 40 of these big batteries that will store the excess electricity that is generated on a very windy day. And then obviously on a day like today where it's calmer and there isn't a lot of wind, the electricity that's stored in the batteries then can be fed into the uh, grid. What it seems has happened in other areas where these battery storage facilities are, there doesn't seem to be that many of them in Ireland, but certainly in other countries. If one of them goes on fire, that's when you have a problem because it's toxic fumes will be emitted from the fire. So from... What I can gather, and this is what local people are going to be told, that you have between three and ten minutes to get out of the area, to evacuate the area, to let this battery burn itself out, which can, I think, be up to about 36 hours. And then you can come back. But the problem is, it's, it's the short period of time that you need to, to get out. And, you know, I, I have in my head this idea of, you know, the old sirens that you'd hear in the World War II movies that used to go off, the air raid. People of an older generation who might have been around in the Second World War may remember the air raid siren that goes off, that awful sound. And then people knew that they had to, they, they had to flee and, you know, they had to go underground. People in London, for example, went down into the underground, was where they went when the air raid siren went off. And I have it in my head, is that what's going to happen for the people of Bally Desmond and the surrounding area? I think Gwynnie Gwilla also gets uh, affected because it seems to be, it's like a, a 10 kilometre radius of this battery facility that would have to be evacuated. But like there's a school, there's a creche. Imagine the panic of getting little ones and trying to get everybody together. And, you know, do you have to have buses on standby? I mean, I just don't know how that's actually going to operate because in a school, you couldn't possibly contact all of the parents to say, you need to come back and collect your children we need to evacuate the school so does the school have to have a bus on standby so that they can get everybody out of the area it's just I I can understand why people would be nervous of having a facility like that on their doorstep so we're going to speak with one of the people who objected in Bally Desmond and also to see I'm assuming it's straight to Amboar Planola 
is where the objectors are going to go. We also then are going to hear about a public meeting that's happening tonight where Mallow is striving to become autism friendly. So we're going to find out a little bit more about that. Uh, we know we celebrated with Clonakilty last year when they became the first autism friendly town in Ireland. So it looks it's along that lines that uh, Mallow want to want to go down that similar route. So we're going to find out what needs to be done in order for Mallow to get a similar status. How do businesses get involved? What do businesses need to do? What's this going to mean for families who have an autistic child either living in Mallow or people who come into Mallow maybe to work or to do their their, their shopping etc. What would it mean to have the area designated as autism friendly? It also is Monday so that means after 12 today Annalise Giselle of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic uh, joins me every Monday always a mine of information offering you advice from nutritional point of view she being a nutritional therapist so if you've got a nutritional question something that you think Annalise can help you with you can get the questions in throughout the morning I want to give you an update on a story that was viral on a lot of social media over the weekend and I also saw it was covered in some of the papers I know um, Own English was writing about it in the uh, Irish Examiner online and it was to do with a couple who put out a plea on social media for the return of a very special teddy bear and it's one of those stories when you see you know return of a teddy bear you think oh this is some poor child after losing the teddy bear and won't sleep at night without the teddy bear and where's the teddy bear gone and through social media and through you know hooking up with radio stations and programmes like this we often have a great success with you know reuniting the loved one with their teddy bear and everyone's delighted and the child is happy and mammy and daddy is happy and everybody everybody lives happily ever after in this particular case it was a failacon teddy bear that had gone missing. Now Felicom is the national charity that supports anyone who is affected by the death of a baby at or around the time of birth and only a couple of months ago we did a piece with uh, Felicom and actually in studio well, we had some of the Felicon members and including one young mother who brought her memory box with her when the you're faced with that losing a baby at or around the time of birth Felicom they send in these memory boxes. They have them at all of the maternity hospitals, all little bits and bobs inside in the memory box, like a tiny little blanket and, you know, to wrap the baby up in and a little hat in case the head needs to be covered. But what's very important part of the box, the box comes with two identical teddy bears. And the idea is that while you still have the baby with you, the the baby has one little teddy bear. Normally the parents will snuggle the little teddy bear into their baby and then when it's time for the baby for the funeral um, or the cremation and it's time for that final goodbye, the teddy bears are swapped out so that the baby goes off with one little teddy bear and then the family, the parents have the other teddy bear and the teddy bear that the little baby had been you know, sleeping with for the few days that they were all together. So it's a very, very special teddy bear and it means so much to the parents. Um, And that's what had gone missing. A family that had come to Cork on a visit, a couple, they were down in Cork last week and obviously this Felicon teddy bear goes everywhere with them. I mean, I don't have the details of when they lost. uh, Oh, actually, I just spotted it was two years ago they lost the baby. But obviously the teddy bear goes everywhere with them. So there was a big sort of SOS went out on social media. Um, 
to say, has anybody found this teddy bear? And it was the little phalicorn teddy bear. It actually has, I'm sure it has phalicorn uh, on it as a little ribbon, tiny little teddy bear, little ribbon around its neck. We were told that the couple had gone on a visit to Ballymaloo, a house. They were in Gary Vaux Beach. They were in the old head of Kinsale. They were in Kinsale Town. They were in the pavilion in Ballygarvan. They were also at Photo Wildlife Park. And I was thinking when I saw all the places that they were visiting, I was saying, oh dear God, this teddy bear could be anywhere. Anyway, there is a bit of a good news. The update, I was on the Felicorn, their own, they have a wonderful Facebook page. Um, and I was on their Facebook page and the update is that the teddy bear has been found and returned and they want to thank everybody who shared the post um, and in particular to whoever it was got this precious teddy bear reunited with their family and it had been shared thousands of times on social media. Once again, we give out about social media and it can take over our lives and there can be many negatives to social media but there also can be many positives and this is one of them. So just to update you on that if you were uh, watching that and following that over the weekend. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Laura Gaelga RC 103 Rugakonamagregor the notorious August Mystic Man. Tashe Kuikri Ne Norlock in Arda, August Teresh Gokhtre de Vunche, Kenyan She Uridor Dofane. Tashe Feh Name Lean Dish, August Toposh Da Warnigan, Connor Jack, Lena Fortner D. Devlin. They say Untain Champion, Ernok, Atagwin, in UFC, Sin Aline Korok Maskaha. Porsche Ain Kade Maloon Dollar Dun Trude, Aguina Mayweather, Elunasa, and Nurig. Is far on severe gone in a go. The blower Guelga is Misha Podgy de Bertoon or Guel Skultmost of each Paula. CK'd as a three Kirkig. This Wednesday on C103's Court Today Show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, when the topic of coercive control was discussed on this programme recently with the Rape Crisis Centre, we were contacted by a listener in her 70s who told John Paul off air about the emotional abuse she was suffering at the hands of her adult son. Last Friday, that same lady contacted us again because the abuse has become violent. Now, I spoke to her on Friday afternoon and I started by asking her to outline what was going on in the house with her son. And this is what she had to say. It's abuse. It's verbal abuse. Verbal abuse, yes. And how long has this been going on for? I'll tell you not the truth. I got three bearing orders against him. Right? Yeah. And he was ringing me morning, noon, and night, and I got so much afraid, Trisha. Yes, I left him back in. So, when I made contact with the 
that he taught me there was nothing to do for me. Yes, I left him back after the bearing orders. Why did you leave him back into the house? Because I was afraid I didn't know what to do. So the girls were for me. When the third bearing order, they said they could do no more for me neither. So I'm going to meet my own doctor now and I'll ask him to know. You see, I can't ring the girl because she goes through my phone. You have daughters living locally? Yeah, I have. Have they been well, able to help you? One girl is my peer, and the other girl is working. She takes me in for a night. Then I go to the day centre. Has he ever been physically violent to you? Then holiday you were away. That's the Sunday night. He hit me across the face with his hand. And he said to me before, if you hit somebody with your open hand, it doesn't knock. That is true. I've inquired into that. But if he hit me with his fist, I'd have, I'd have something against him. But I, I, I told the guards. So, so you ca- you called the guards on the bank holiday weekend. The, the Sunday, the Sunday and Monday was the bank holiday. And did the guards take him away? No, because Monday was a bank holiday. And are you now afraid that it's going to escalate and it's going to get more physical? I was going to chat with him now. He's trying to chat with me, but in the story. And have you asked him to leave your house? I told him. I said, go away. I said, leave a place on your own. He said, I said. And he turned around and he said to me, he said, look, I go. If you'll get a place and pay the rent. Patricia, I'm, I'm at my wits' end. And is, is, is he working? No. So he's and at home I, all day? Yeah. And this is the first day that I... I've got him hours, hours and hours and along. And Trisha, he doesn't want anyone calling in to me. He's Even my home helper did give an hour about her. So he, he's he's trying to keep you isolated? I'm in my room all the time. My daughter gave me my breakfast this morning. I went out to the kitchen, I called it. And when, I, when, when she was gone, then she... Put the hot water bottle into my bed and 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 uh, she she put the hot water bottle into my bed and she she went away so I I, I was in my bed when John Paul rang. You want him gone from your house? I do. But I, I, I taught my daughter to make, to make an appointment with my, my solicitor now. And, and if you get a barring order, you're going to have to stick with the barring order? I'll have to. I mean, it's, it's late now. I'm 75 years. And I've put up with it for years. And I will kill it if anyone does out there. Just try and walk away. You said you were in an abusive relationship with your husband. Would your son have witnessed that? He would. Like I said, he spit in my face. And all I said was, 
The jewel's done it to Jesus. <laughs> He's him. Only he said to me, he held me up by the, uh, held me up by the wall in, before that, that the bank holiday. And he said, you see that? I'd break every bone in my body. He also said to me, I'd be, when I, when I won't be able to cope, that I'd be eating out of the dog's bucket. And have your your daughters, his sisters, have they tried to speak to him? It doesn't, doesn't anyone have been talking to him, Patricia. You couldn't talk to him. But you know that that is your house. You don't have to put up with that. Patricia, no. In our fairness, I know that you are more educated than I am. Well, what can you do? I know. I, I, my, my room has been done for me, and I want to stay there, but I don't want to die here. We're going to we're going to get some advice. Uh, try and get some advice uh, for you. Uh, in in the meantime, you need to just you need to look after yourself. Can you could you go and maybe spend the weekend at your daughter's house? I could. Yeah. You need to protect yourself, particularly if he's very volatile at the moment. And it sounds like like, like he is. OK, and we will stay in contact with you. Yes. And um, but but your your main your message outside of we, we you're trying to protect yourself. You want to talk to you. The reason you want to speak to us is you want to get the message out to other people who are in a, who are in a relationship either with a spouse are with a child is don't put up with it exactly whether it's a single or living with a partner like in my time you sit at home Patricia to to mind your children with no social life God help her. That uh, was, we're calling her Mary. That's um, obviously not her real name and we're not identifying uh, what part of the county she is uh, living in. All, But we have spoken with her again off air uh, this morning and she did take her advice. She did go and spend the weekend at her daughter's house. She's going to go see her doctor today and she's hoping to get an appointment with her uh, solicitor uh, as well. But it's just really difficult to listen to a 75-year-old woman speak like that and in her own home to be putting up with somebody spit her son spitting into her face and threatening that she'd end up eating out of the dog's bucket God help her anyway and MC of the Senior Helpline has been listening to that interview and she's going to to join us to discuss um, elder abuse and to give advice uh, to Mary and to others and she'll do that after this quick break The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork so if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And by the way, that interview that we ran with uh, Mary, the 75-year-old woman uh, suffering abuse at the hands of her um, adult son, that was a, an edited version of the interview because at times she just became so upset. It was actually very difficult to understand uh, what she was saying. So it was it it was it was tough. So well done to John Paul who uh, put that edited um, package together. Now Anne Dempsey of the Senior Helpline uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning to you. Um, and uh, it was tough to listen to, and I can already see we're getting a lot of reaction in from uh, people. How common is elder abuse? All too common, Patricia. Uh, there was a national survey done about elder abuse at home and the figures are, it's quite shocking, that one in ten older persons can be suffering abuse at any one time. Now, that's not what your caller, the kind of abuse that your caller was talking about, which is quite, you know, quite extreme and she feels so vulnerable. Anything from that to a push or a shove or a bullying voice or a, a kind of a threat or a neglect. But along the whole continuum, 10%. And that is like an international average as well. And I suppose, like the lovely thing is we're all living longer, but the downside of that is that many older people are becoming more vulnerable and therefore at prey to, you know, exploitation and abuse. The fact that Mary spoke about that she had lived with an abusive husband, is, is that almost learned behaviour by the, by the son? That's what I... Uh, that when you asked, did he witness it? Um, it there can be a whole culture in the house that that's okay, that that's acceptable, and I think a lot of that can be learned behaviour. Unfortunately, that uh, adult sons and indeed daughters can learn that that's okay, and this is the way we manage things in this family. So it's most unfortunate. And God help her. You know, one of the things that she was most upset about was the threat where he said to her, um, I'll have you eating out of the dog's bucket. And she, in her head, believes that that's how she will end up. I just, that was heartbreaking. And I suppose for a senior line again, we would get this also, Patricia, for somebody, it's like domestic violence, domestic abuse. That becomes the norm. You 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 believe what you're told. You you lack your own self belief. It's a whole kind of like almost a grooming piece for years and years and years, and you're worn down. And there's such a power imbalance that they have the power, and you feel you have none. Now she also spoke about how three times she got a barring order, and unfortunately, you know, he got around her and managed to get back into the house. Is she correct in saying kind of like three strikes and you're out? That the guardy won't are not able to help her anymore now because she's had three barring orders? I don't know the honest answer to that. Um, I can't imagine so. I mean, there's a whole duty of care here around this vulnerable woman. I mean, an awful lot of people that call us, they who's, whether, and I don't think this is the situation here, but the person being the abuser is their carer. And frequently they want the abuse to end, but the they want the caring to continue because they can be quite dependent on that. Now, I think this woman is looking after herself as best she can. And, uh, yeah, she and, the, and the daughter is helping out exactly, with the caring, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I suppose I would think that somebody who phones us, um, the first thing we would be doing is seeing what platform of support she has to try and find out. First of all, acknowledge the huge courage it takes to make that first call and to listen and to ha- have the person tell. Now, I think your caller has made an enormous breakthrough already in what she's done. I think she's, 
she's made tremendous strides and broken a cycle of secrecy, you know, outside the family. She's already, you know, she's, she's uh, well, her daughter's probably new already. She's going to see her GP. She's going to her solicitor. What we need are objective outsiders who won't be afraid of this man and will be in her corner and in her court. And that's what we would be talking to our callers, having heard the whole story. So what can you do in safety? What what way can you support yourself that doesn't endanger you more? And again, when you begin, you know, discussing what the options might be, and we will be discussing all these things with our callers. Have you a relationship with your GP? Could a member of your family go with you to your GP? Have you a neighbour? Who can you have in your corner? Because that would equalise the power when somebody feels completely on their own. And particularly if this is a, an habitual situation where she has been consistently depowered. And that that other thing about trying to isolate her, like even the home health yeah. calls, trying yeah. to stop the home health coming, that, that's, he's just trying to isolate her, is it? So that nobody ends up calling and he's just there in his own with her. And you know the way domestic abuse these days, we're looking, we're, we kind of are inclined to use the phrase coercion and control, or yeah. coercive control. And that's about, even if a blow is never struck, that whole isolating again renders that person feeling that there's nobody I can turn to, I'm not allowed, my movements are controlled, my, it's, you know, it's just all part of a whole pattern, isn't it? And it's all abuse. I mean, even and down it's to all abuse. It doesn't, you don't, don't have to lift your hand to have abuse. But if we have the situation here, a strong young man and a 75-year-old woman, when you heard it in your voice, it was heartbreaking to listen yeah. to the, the, the piece I, I heard before we were talking now together. Uh, and I, I think, isn't she tremendous that she she's is. doing this? She is. And, and to me, she's, she's crossed the Rubicon now and she's got people in her corner yeah. and that's going to really support her in both practice and emotional ways. There's one other um, thing I'd like to say, and it's not necessarily known, is that the HSE have a whole network of dedicated safeguarding uh, uh, vulnerable adults, officers, around the country, a service around the country. And this used, these used to be elder abuse officers, but they've changed the kind of um, guidelines now because it's, it's not necessarily age-related. You can be of any age and be supported by these people. And the service in Cork is run from St. Thinbar's Hospital. Okay. And these are people, uh, usually women, who are very well used to um, dealing with these situations. They know the complexity of them. They know there isn't a necessarily a one-action resolution. They know it can be a process and they're excellent at supporting the the complainant, listening to them, helping them access support. Now we have found from our from our deliberations that our experience of it that could be that there might be if there's kind of maybe alcohol issues that there's that there's help with alcohol, there might be anger issues. Like without saying that what's happening in these cases is acceptable anyway. The person doing the caring, and maybe I'm, I'm thinking of a situation of a spouse, an older man who's looking after his wife, and he was quite frail himself and something snapped. Now, he needs support. I'm not saying that's the case in this situation, yeah. but there's so many situations where these the team goes in and looks at it in a very forensic way, and again, the, the person has somebody now that she can talk to, somebody she can rely on. And while the duty of care is with the uh, caller, this team does nothing without her consent. It's usually her, actually, you know. So she begins to feel supported from day one.
That's fantastic. That is mm. fantastic. Mm. And the fact, Anne, that this guy, Thug, the son, whatever you want to call him, raised his hand to her. Would you be worried? Because that was the first of the physical. It, it had never been yeah. physical up to the bank holiday uh, weekend. Would you be uh, Would you be fearful that that abuse could continue? Well, aren't you worried about escalation? You yeah, know? yeah. And also... Like if, 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 as we say, this is something he witnessed in his family, and see, saw his mother keeping silent for decades. I mean, many families have a conspiracy of silence about these issues for very understandable reasons. Now she's broken that, and I suppose the fear finally made her do it. So that's like, in a way, he's 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 escalated his own demise to some degree because hopefully now she's on her way in a new way. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons we told her to get out for the weekend and just, I, want, I wanted to, to keep her safe. she's just not isolated, the more she takes steps, the more she reaches out emotionally, physically, sees Sammy, I, I, I hope she's friends. Like, if she breaks that secrecy and begins to talk, you know, none of this is her fault. I think th- this is, this is again, another another very positive strand. Can I give you our senior line number, Please do, Patricia? please because do. again, we'd be delighted to have any caller who phones with this issue. Um, so we're open every day. We're open today from 10 until 10 tonight. We're open every single day. And anybody who calls us will get another older person who will understand and listen and will be able to support in, in a way that suits suits the caller. We don't impose anything. We don't give advice, but we work with the caller. So we're 1880. 4591. Okay, 1-800-80-45-91. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. I've got other numbers that I'm going to give out in a moment because I can see from calls and texts that we're getting in and it's evoking memories of people who were in domestic abusive situations or people who are in domestic uh, abuse situations. Yeah. Hey, but here's a lovely one. Uh, a different mm. Mary says, uh, my son was sitting with me. We were having breakfast and listening to your interview with Mary. And he turned and he said to me, what a coward that man is. He then told me, ma'am, you never have to worry. That'll never happen to you when you're living here with us. Isn't yeah, that I, I, I think let's end on that note because yeah, I mean, we, there's it good... is a dark tale. Absolutely. There's so much goodness. There's so much family relations, so much caring adult sons and daughters. Oh, well know. done. Well done. And thank you for that. And keep up the great work. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. That is um, Anne Dempsey who runs the Senior uh, Helpline. Uh, John Paul said getting a lot of calls in from people who were in tears listening to uh, Mary sharing her story. Noreen says verbal abuse can be so much worse than physical abuse. And I know when I was when I was doing the interview with her um, with Mary last uh, Friday and while I was very worried about the fact that he had hit her the previous uh, weekend what was most getting to her was the it wasn't the spitting in her face it wasn't the slap with the open hand that he gave her it was this notion of her ending up having to eat out of the dog's bucket and that's what was going through her mind and that's the emotional psychological abuse. I mean that would never happen but the very fact that he said it to her and that thought now has gone into her head and that's just utterly, utterly heartbreaking. Uh, Mary in West Cork says my heart goes out to Mary. I am a, I was a victim of domestic violence. I am now a survivor of domestic violence. I'd like to know why is he doing this? That guy is able to get into her brain and make her feel worthless. I feel for a lot 
I felt for a lot of my life that I was worthless. I feel so sorry for Mary, but what is his side of the story? Not that I'm siding with him. I don't think he's got any side to the story except that he's a coward. He's an absolute coward. But I do think some of it goes back to the fact that that he grew up watching his mother being physically and emotionally abused by the father. You know, the saying monkey see, monkey do. I, I do feel that, that that's playing a role, even though she's got two lovely daughters who are, seem to be in fear of him and they're not inflicting any abuse on their uh, mother. Uh, John says, I think the Gardaí need to get involved in this one or the family need to push the boat out and reactivate the barring order. The saddest thing is that one of her own could do this tough love needs to move in here and that guy needs to be uh, gone. We might check in actually with the Gardaí just to find out if that is the case of, I've, I, I don't know enough about barring orders to know if it's the case three strikes and you're out if she reactivated it and because she let him back in. But again, that was bullying and psychological stuff getting back inside her head, uh, forcing her to, to leave him uh, back. And uh, Kevin sends a very short text saying, let me get my hands on him. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We're getting um, really big reaction to our interview in the last hour with um, the, that 75-year-old lady who's suffering abuse at the hands of her son who is in his uh, 40s. And one of the, the, the bits that we didn't get to play out on the interview is that I, I don't know if he's a drink problem, but when he drinks, the abuse is worse. So she always lives in fear on the day that he decides to go out and buy drink and bring drink home because she knows that the abuse is going to get worse. Because I'll just give you a synopsis of some of the calls in the text and the commentary we're getting in. John Paul said he got a lot of calls from men who were very upset uh, listening to it, um, saying what they would love to do if they could, you know, get him for an hour in a room. And you can imagine, obviously, for obvious reasons, we're not going to state on air what some of the men said they would like to do if they could get their hands uh, on him. And then others are summed up by what John is saying. John says, anyone that can do that to his mother has no class at all. My mother is gone to God and I'd love to have her here with me, says John. And there are a number of people going down that line who lost a much loved mother and are missing their mother and to hear of somebody who's blessed to still have their mother living with them and that you can inflict that a kind of abuse or treat your mother uh, in that way. And then others also are picking up on the fact and it's probably key to the abuse, doesn't explain it, but it could be one of the key reasons for the abuse is the fact that this man as a child grew up in a house where there was a lot of abuse going on. The father was abusive to Mary so that he would have grown up only seeing his mother being physically, emotionally, psychologically abused by the father. And, and that doesn't explain why you would do it because, I mean, in, in many cases when that happens, you will have a young guy growing up hating the father for being abusive to, to the mother. But unfortunately, it seems to have worked the other way that he seems to think it is okay to treat his mother like that. Now the texter says, would that lady's daughter, daughters ever take her to their homes? She would, she would be better off with them. God love her. He is 
terrible, says a texter. Well, I know at the weekend because I was so worried about her because he sounded like he was very volatile last week and I don't know if there was drink involved or not across the bank holiday weekend, but that's why I wanted her to be safe and that's why I suggested and she did. She she went away for the weekend and as I say, she's going to a doctor today and uh, hopefully then on into um, her solicitor and uh, hopefully she's just going to have to get him removed uh, from the house. Someone else says, has she any other son that could deal with him? God love her. And that's from the girls in Mallow. No, no, un- unfortunately not. There's no other. Uh, there's daughters, but there is who seem to be afraid and they're not talking to him and don't have any sort of communication with him. Uh, you know, they've sort of moved away, but I mean, they need to, maybe they need to start communicating with him because they, that, that their mother is very vulnerable. Uh, she needs protection. She really does need protection. And she has a mobility issue as well. She, you know, she, she she can't just get out of the house herself when he does decide to uh, turn on her. And then a conversation like that, and this often happens when we talk about abuse, because Mary first contacted us when I was doing the interview about coercive control with the Rape Crisis Centre a number of weeks ago. And something in that interview triggered Mary to contact us to say, well, this is the kind of abuse I'm living with. And it's the first time she had spoken, you know, to somebody outside of obviously her family, uh, her family. So it's funny when you, when you talk about things like that, other types of abuse can be triggered as well. And I'm very conscious of that. So I will give you some phone numbers in a minute, just in case there is anyone listening that does need uh, a little bit, a bit of help. But somebody who doesn't want her name read out, which is fine says when I hear about elder abuse it puts fear into me because I was at the opposite end of this issue I was forced through homelessness to temporarily live with my aged mother a home that I had left due to its being dysfunctional at the age of 17 because my mother disagreed with the way I was raising my child she accused me of elder abuse and reported me to social services and advised them that I was a danger to myself and to my child. Now, I was exonerated of such charges after a full inspection. The inspector even went so far as to reprimand my mother, who was present for the false allegations. I was very lucky. I had great support from my doctor, midwives and a public health nurse who all witnessed the abuse from my mother. Yet, she tried to manipulate the situation and cast herself in the victim role. I immediately left the family home once again and I've cut all contact. I have the greatest sympathy for anyone being bullied in their own home but we must be careful to get the full facts of a story before judging and throwing around such terms thanking you. Now that's a really really a sad story and that sort of shows the other side what can be the other side of uh, abuse. Yeah and we're like we're, we're talking about elder abuse you, you know elder abuse goes on domestic violence goes on both at the hands of a, of a husband and a wife or, or a partner it's it's on both sides but equally you are right equally you can get parents who for whatever reason decide to abuse their children that of course is another type of abuse and I think with more adult children being forced into situations like that either being forced to remain in the family home and not being able to move on are being forced to go back into a family home 
the family dynamics all change and people are interfering and you can get interference if you've got two cooks in the kitchen for example never work and if there's grandchildren in the mix there can be interference because you know granny thinks there's one way of doing it mammy wants to do it a different way and all kinds of tensions can arise and that can lead to abuse and that abuse and that seems like a very very nasty nasty situation that you uh, ended up in I'm glad to hear that it all worked out for you and that you've moved on and and, uh, hopefully you can put it all behind you and move on and have a happy life. And here is another form of abuse that's different again. I have suffered verbal abuse and I'm looking for advice on this one so listen carefully to this one. I have suffered verbal abuse from my sister for years. I am married and I live away from where she lives but she rings me and the abuse on the phone is awful. I can never do anything right in her eyes. She wanted me, for example, to change the time of my wedding as it didn't suit her. Once she told me my children have a very good chance of getting cancer as my husband's mother died of cancer when she was young. The last phone call was about three weeks ago. That was after a family wedding. My daughter was one of four bridesmaids at that wedding. Well, I was told by my sister that the bridesmaids were just useless on the day. They did absolutely nothing right. By the way, of the four bridesmaids, I was the only one that got the phone call. So the hint was that my daughter was the one that was useless. And by the way, she also threw in that her boyfriend, my daughter's boyfriend, has a useless job. God, your sister sounds like a nasty, nasty piece of work, doesn't she? really nasty piece of work and anyone that you know she sounds like one of these you know negative people that everything no matter what you pour into the glass her glass is always going to be half empty never be half full it'll always be half empty do you know that she sounds toxic and what I would do is I would just have nothing to do with her you live away you're married and you live away you live away from her so you don't have to see her on a, on a daily basis I would just I would not take the phone calls from her because a lot of the abuse now is going on over the phone and when you do have those family occasions like the weddings and whatever just be on the opposite side of the room to her if you see her coming smile and just move away you, you are a grown woman with your own family you don't need to take that abuse. You really, really don't. That would be my, that's me throwing in my top and safety work. That's a toxic relationship and it's, no, it's of no use to you. It's of no use to you and it'll bring you nothing but grief. Cut the ties. Cut the ties. If anybody else wants to offer advice to that particular sister with her charming other sister. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. 1850 Now just a couple of other things coming in. Oh, this is an interesting one coming from a listener in Mitchellstown who is talking about some work that's building work that's going on in a nursing home in Mitchellstown. They're putting on an extension which is great news and that's all fine. But the problem is that somebody is parking a jeep and a trailer half halfway up on the footpath. You know sort of parking the jeep and the trailer obviously afraid to put it on the road because it's going to block cars I don't know but anyway it's parked on a footpath where elderly people walk and people with children in in buggies will end up then having to go out onto the road to overtake this jeep and trailer shouldn't be allowed to happen yeah buggies end up on the road it's crazy and it is very very dangerous Um, and it isn't just that jeep and trailer 
other people visiting the home also park up on the footpath. I think it is very inconsiderate, especially for people walking with uh, buggies. Have you heard? Has anybody else been complaining? I No. And I, I, John Paul, I have, I have to check in with John Paul, but no, if we were getting a lot of complaints, I think we would be hearing about it. I wonder, has anybody approached, because it's the regular parking of a Jeep in a trailer, has anybody approached the owner of the Jeep in the trailer and is is it because the building is, is going on? Is there anywhere else where the Jeep in the trailer uh, could park? Uh, and as I say, it is outside a nursing home in uh, Mitchellstown. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. There's also a text in St. Patricia. This is to do with rural broadband. And you just kind of wonder about rural broadband. Is it all one great big election promise? But some of the stuff coming out of the weekend and our own Michael Creed, Minister for Agriculture, saying that the consortium that have won the the bid to to install a rural broadband, which is going to cost the Irish exchequer three billion, and at the end of it, well, it'd be great to have rural broadband. And I'm it's very slow to knock rural broadband because I know how important it is and I know how important it is to people living in rural areas that they get broadband and they should have the same broadband that people have in towns and cities so I know how important it is but you just don't want you just don't want to feel that we're going to be that as a country we're going to be stung on this one because you know too often we've been sort of screwed over you just kind of thinking please not again but we're going to the government has said it's going to cost three billion but then the company who will end up installing the broadband and owning the broadband it never belong to the government it's, it's, it's the company who's, who um, the preferred bidder as they're being called according to Michael Creed Minister for Agriculture they're only putting up 200,000 you would have thought I mean why isn't it even half and half and I appreciate and I understand that no commercial company will go in there and install rural broadband because it costs so much so I do accept that the government has to pay a chunk of it in order for the people in rural areas to have broadband but it just seems 3 billion versus 200,000 it just doesn't sit well with me at all so there's, there's still a lot you, you wonder you wonder are we ever going to get rural, rural broadband with everything that's subsequently coming out about it and somebody who's a bit doubtful says Patricia we've been told the government want to put broadband into every road and every lane in rural Ireland I know what they want in rural Ireland they want factory farms they want forestry and they want wind turbines you can't even get planning to build a house around here I don't know where around here is uh, remember who got burnt when they promised to burn the bondholders when the election was over they burnt the pensioners and the taxpayers instead you can't believe anything or any form of a promise that you hear before an election so some people just being a little bit cynical about it all and thinking is it and I when I had Michael Creed on talking about it I did make that point to him as well because you think back to the last general election and we had the then Taoiseach Enda Kenny in Cork and the lovely photographs of the sod turning of the event uh, centre and everyone was very excited about it and uh, we know what happened there that ended up uh, really just being one great big election promise we still don't have the event centre in Cork can I just give you the phone numbers by the way for anyone listening to our interview and subsequent chat about Mary who's suffering at the hands of elder abuse just some telephone numbers that are important I'll give you the senior line again is one eight hundred eighty. 4591 Yana who works with the victims of domestic abuse in North Cork 02253915 the West Cork Women's Project they've got a free phone helpline 1800 203136 
Manoa Fassa are on 021 421 and Women's Aid are on 1800 341 900 and then the Cork Sexual Violence Centre is at 1800 496 496. The latest jobs on C103. Official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 2nd. Get working now to run the full half or relay. More details at c103.ie. A home carer is required to mind an elderly lady. It's in the West Cork area. You must have qualifications. An experienced pizza chef is required for Pompeii Pizza in Cork, while a driving instructor is required for the Mallow area. And a dairy farm worker required for Green Hills Killer. Previous experience essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Job interview fails. So what would you say your weaknesses are? Um, oh, I suppose I'd have a weakness for the drink. <laughs> but only during the week. I mean, I'd hate being hungover on my weekend, you know? Uh-huh. Why do you want to work here? Well, I'd like to move on from my current employer, as I've a whole legal issue thing. <laughs> Bottom line, nobody told me I couldn't sell the company car. Think you actually have the right answers? Then C103 wants to talk to you. We're hiring a sales executive to expand our busy team. If you're ambitious, creative and think you've got what it takes, email your CV to hrmanager at c103.ie today. C103 is an equal opportunities employer and part of Wireless Group. There is huge disappointment and anger in Ballydesmond at the decision taken by Kerry County Council to grant planning permission subject to conditions for a battery storage facility which could store up to 40 battery units, transformers and associated equipment at Ballynahulla. Anita O'Sullivan was one of the many objectors from the area and she joins me with her concerns. Good morning to you, Anita. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well. Now, just to get the background, when did local people first find out about this proposed facility at Ballynahulla? Um, I'd say it was... Just over a year ago when we first found out and the um, locals got together and they put in an objection. So there was around 65 individual objections and then a group objection with over 200 signatures. Um, And then during those objections, they addressed serious concerns that they had from health and safety uh, risks, fire risks, and um, also the protection of the Hin Harrier and the freshwater pearl mussel. And if you can think back to a year year ago, how did you find out at the time? Did the company come and meet with local people and say, look, this is what we're proposing? Um, No, to the best of my knowledge, that didn't happen. Um, From what I understand, it was a local who was out cycling and just happened to see the planning um, Notice. The sign was gone up. Yeah, I just. Okay. Now the, these bad, the batteries would store electricity generated by wind turbines until it needs to be used by the grid. Just outline what are your concerns and the concerns of other local people with regard to these batteries? Um, I suppose the main concern that we would have would be for the, um, the potential of the fire risk. And I mean, if we look at here in Ireland, Longford County Council. Um, refused planning permission for a six-unit um, battery storage and their reasons were for the fear it could cause an explosion or be a fire hazard and then Kerry County Council granted planning permission for 
a battery storage five times the size of it. Um, so just, I suppose that's our, our main concern. And then if you look at, um, like this is a new energy infrastructure here in Ireland, so we can only look um, to countries that do have this in place already. And like currently in Korea, there is a series of fire um, fires going on at energy storage compounds and they've raised safety concerns. Um, so there's nearly 600 energy so- storage systems that have stopped production. Um, so I suppose like from our point of view, if we can learn from other countries and look at the situation in Korea, their government gave excessive amounts of subsidies, which led to a massive increase in using this type of technology um, without verification on its safety. And they're now in the position where they're having to stall and halt what they're doing. Um, so I suppose if the Irish government could just stop and have a look and see what our best practices in other countries. Yeah, because yeah, because that's the problem. I mean, are there any other such storage facilities here in Ireland? Battery storage, is it? Yeah, not the scale that we're talking about, as as far as I know. And they will be overground. Could could they not put them underground, yeah. or would that make a difference? Um, I suppose, from my understanding, is that the planning application has them for overground. But if you would look at the, the terrain where they're proposing to put them in Ballinahola, I mean, that's bog land, so I'm not sure how feasible it would They'll, be to have to, them to put them underground. Because I'm assuming, you know, if there was a fire underground, there would be less risk of contamination than if it was overground. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. It would probably just delay it more than anything because it's not so, like, it's, once the batteries go on fire, it's the toxic smog that's created. That's the problem. The cause of concern, yeah. So, um, given the direction of the wind and where Ballydesmond Village is located, um, it's around 2.5 kilometres away as the crow would fly. Um, So with the toxic smog and given the distance, even on a slight breezy day, the wind would carry that smog to the village of Ballydesmond within minutes. And there you have the the National School and you've got the creche and you've all the local businesses as well. So... Um, and where where were you getting the information that if there was a fire, local people would, you, would have between three and ten minutes to evacuate? Where's that information coming from? That information, um, we've just looked at other countries and seen what, um, what they've put in place. And then I was reading a paper recently from Alliance Risk Consultancy and they were just, uh, they would encourage an emergency response procedure. That's from their own um I haven't seen anything from Kerry County Council or from Red Face saying that there is an emergency response in place, but just from my own reading up on it, it is recommended. So an alarm would go off and you'd have to get the hell out of Dodge as quick as you could? That has yet to be clarified. I know on the planning, um, granting the planning application, they did say that a robust alarm system would need to be put in place. But as to why that alarm system's in place, we have yet to be um, yet to be clarified with us, um, so we don't know. And do you know the radius that would need to be evacuated? From our understanding, you're looking at a ten kilometre radius, and if you look at America, they have these compounds, and there's no building, that's no housing, no sheds, no nothing within a ten mile radius, and then people within a twenty mile radius are actually trained in emergency evacuation procedures. And you are saying why the, where the where the compound would be, uh, Ballinahola, That's a rural area, I'm assuming. Is, yes. Are there any yes. houses around there? There is. Oh, there are houses. Okay. Yeah, we'd be uh, as the crow flies, maybe one kilometre away. I think there's another house. They clocked it on their car. They were point six of a mile away. Um, there is. There are houses in the area. And then you're talking about Ballydesmond is the next. 
Valley Jasmine is the, the next, closest village. The closest yeah. village. And Guinigwilla? Guinigwilla would be kind of, I suppose, the opposite direction. Yeah. Like, I suppose you'd be looking at where the prevailing winds do come from. So that's why Valley Jasmine would be most at risk. Um, considering where Guinigwilla is located, it would probably, the wind would be taking a shift the other way if you understand you know, yeah but you see you never know you know I mean you know well, uh, that's it. Chernobyl is something I know a lot about and, and I know the radioactivity from Chernobyl ended up in the Donegal Hills you know I mean if yeah. something wants to get carried in the wind it gets carried in the wind yeah that's it and I suppose even if you look at you know sometimes you'd hear of the Sahara um, dust the dust yeah, in yeah, Ireland. So, yeah yeah it was it does definitely cause for concern and I suppose these questions from the locals have been put forward during the um, uh, planning application and when we submitted our objections. But we haven't gotten the answers back to the questions. So I suppose we're just left in in the situation where we have to come together and do our own research and dig deep and find out what we can to the best of our abilities. And, and you yeah. just local people. I mean, I take it that there's no uh, scientists in your midst or people who are experts at this type of... No. Technology, yeah. No, I always no. feel for local groups that have to fight to fight these cases, but but yeah. but fight them they do, and there's been yep. many many success stories. So let's you know look at it that way. By the yep. way, we did co- contact uh, Red Phase on Friday okay. afternoon. The company behind this uh, yep. facility, we spoke with them. We emailed the query, but we're still awaiting a reply. Has okay. the company Red Phase held public meetings to allay your fears? To the best of my knowledge, there's been no public consultation. And I would say if there has been a public consultation, we didn't know about it. So I would think that that gives grounds that it wasn't efficient enough because we were at, we held a public meeting last Wednesday in Valley Desmond Community Centre. And I don't have official numbers, but I would say we had close to 250, 300 people well. at the meeting. And they didn't know about us. And people so. are nervous, Anita. They're afraid. Oh, of course. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and the thing is, like, I suppose at the public meetings, we don't want to be there scaremongering people. So that's why we really ensured that the information we gave on the night was factual based and that we were getting it from reliable sources from other countries. Um, so it is, it's disbelief and we can't comprehend how this has gone on. And it feels very much an underground, like it just crept into society. Like only for that um, local... Um, resident out cycling, we wouldn't have noticed that sign because nobody stops and reads the planning application signs anymore, you know. So it was just by pure chance. And I know it's stated in the submission for planning that the proposed development will contribute to Ireland meeting its European and international Mm -hmm. obligation in respect of delivering a secure, sustainable electricity system. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. that's what we need, but at the expense of what, I suppose, is what the good people of of Ballydesmond um, are are asking. Um, Okay, so Kerry County Council have granted it. I I mean, Mm -hmm. I take it on board Planola is your next port of call, is it? That's it, yeah. So we're in the final stages of drafting that appeal to Ambor Planola, so we should have that in by, um, the. I think the due date for that is the 17th of this month, and so we'll have that in shortly. And then you wait for Ambor Planola to come back? And we wait and see, yeah, that's it. You but don't... I will say Go there on. is a lot of um, uh, spice in the community to not have this here, so... Um, we will just have to look at all avenues and just take it step by step. But there is a lot of people looking to not have this in the community. You you actually, I'm told, you live in Newmarket. You don't actually, I know your home place is there. And what, is your plan to move back to your home place? Is that, or was that one of that, your plans? 
that is our plan. Yeah. Oh, so is. I suppose that's how I actually got involved with the whole thing was because we're renting in Newmarket and I have my own business in Ballydesmond and my two children go to childcare. We'd spend majority of our time in Ballydesmond. I think we're here on our fifth night in a row at the moment. And when I was talking to my parents about moving back, they were like, oh, you know, there are these meetings going on. Maybe you should inform yourself. So I went not a notion what was happening, thinking this was... I, I didn't know what to expect, really. And then from that, I just really got involved in it because I just can't believe that this was allowed to happen. And I suppose I see myself as being in a very good situation because I haven't invested into the community yet. Like, we haven't built, we haven't bought. So if these do go ahead, I do... My family and I have the option of looking elsewhere to to live which would be very sad because... But it's, it sounds like it's home to you. That's oh, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it would be very hard to move into the to the area knowing the risks that you're putting your family at. So from that point of view, we're holding tough for another while. Sheila, this is by texting, I live 500 metres from this proposed development in Ballinahalla. How are we expected to evacuate our homes in three to ten minutes? The village is a half a kilometre away where there's a school and a creche. Shame on Kerry County Council for granting permission for such an explosive development so close to people's homes. Do they have any regard for human life? We're living in a world of greed and corruption, according to Sheila who certainly is not uh, happy about it. And, and I know when we mentioned it the other day, we had a number of similar calls mm. and texts in from people. People really are just not happy uh, yeah. uh, with it. Um, and, so and the thing is, it's that we're not happy with the proximity it is to our community. It's not that we're against the green energy or the sustainable energy. It's how close these things are put right into our back backyards. And that's where our issue lies. Um, and then with the health and safety concerns that we have, we just feel they're not being addressed. Yeah, and the other one I and I mentioned this earlier was this evacuation, particularly with the school mm. and and a crash. I mean, how, does this, will the school and the crash have to have a bus on standby? How can you get that amount of children out? I in, don't know. In a short a, period of time, I, I struggled to get two children out of the house in yeah, the morning. Yeah, yeah. School, so <laughs> a lot of people will identify with that one, Anita. Okay, yeah. listen, uh, we will keep in contact with you. But thank you for that, yeah, and thanks thank for you. joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, bye bye. That is Anita O'Sullivan, who was one of the many objectors who objected to planning permission being granted to uh, that company for a battery storage uh, facility. Listener says, folks, there is a planning application for that energy system in the Kilavolan area. The company has done a leaflet drop to us within a five kilometre uh, radius. And I know it is a case of not in my backyard. Nobody wants to live where you know, like nobody wants to live, for example, under the shadow of a wind turbine. And I do accept and even listening to Anita say it, we do need to do something, you know, in respect of sustainable electricity system. We have to move with the times. We know that. But I just think if there is any kind of a safety issue, you know, and the very fact that these battery storage facilities in other countries, there have been problems, they've gone on fire. And this whole idea of evacuating people, I mean, could, can they not go underground where they would be safer if, God forbid, there was an explosion and one of them did go on fire, that you wouldn't be putting people's lives at, at risk? This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, last year, Clonakilty became Ireland's first autism-friendly town. And 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now Mallow in North Cork is hoping to follow suit and become an autism-friendly community. In advance of a public meeting tonight in Mallow at GAA Club, I'm joined in the studio with further details by Keen Moriarty and Emily Ahern. You're both very welcome. Good morning to you both. Uh, Keen. if I can start uh, with you, what are you hoping to achieve by making Mallow autism-friendly? Well, the first uh, thing, obviously, that we want to achieve is to make Mallow more inclusive and to increase its capacity to just integrate people um, uh, members of the autism community and their parents and families and the people who can come and enjoy uh, what we have here in Mallow. Um, part of the uh, Mallow and Autism Friendly Community Initiative is to raise awareness also of uh, autism and the difficulties surrounding uh, people that people with autism have and things like that. But I think beyond that, it should increase uh, economic activity in the town. It should become a destination for people to come uh, and enjoy the town and uh, to bring their families with them and to just... Uh, create more, uh, to define Mallow more as a, as a place and a destination to come and spend some time. Are you hoping to get the same status as Clonacilty has? Or yes. Is that the, uh, that's the idea. It's, 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 yeah. it's to go down that route. I mean, Dano Super Value, they're already, they do the autism friendly shopping. Mm-hmm. So we, it's more of that, is it, that we need to see? Yeah, and just it's seeing it wider and uh, across all of the businesses, or at least businesses, most of the businesses that are willing to participate. But it's everything around that as well it's also the infrastructure in the town it's playgrounds it's um, hopefully the development uh, in time of a sensory garden um, it's services as well it's dentists it's doctors it's really just to make sure that we're doing everything we can as a community to facilitate and to integrate these uh, these people and these children in our community. Okay Emily uh, Hearn uh, also joins us in the studio Emily is with uh, Evolve Th- Therapy good morning to Emily morning, uh, you, you work with um autistic children. Tell me about the type of work that you do. 
We do indeed, um, Patricia. We see all children from 18 months upwards um, to adults. We see a huge range of different abilities. I suppose the one thing to remember about autism is that no two children are the same. So every child that walks in our door with autism is completely different. So the way we treat them is completely different. Um, And we look at what the family needs what they need to change in their environment, what supports they need, how that we can educate them so that we can best help their child on their journey. So you could see the advantages of uh, having the town uh, autism friendly because families with a child on the autism spectrum can feel very isolated, can't they? Because people don't understand autism. Completely. They feel very isolated. And I mean, I suppose it's important to remember as well that this is a lifelong condition. And so everybody who has this condition goes through different stages. So at some points in early intervention, parents might have a lot of support because they first engaged in parent support groups and there can be a lot more support as the child goes to a different unit or a school or at secondary school again, they can actually feel isolated because those parents that they once had support at the early stage of their journey might not now be at the same stage of a journey with them. So I think a lot of families actually get huge support from each other now through social media um, and that awareness that mothers actually create or fathers create through social media is now hugely important for them not to feel isolated and Mm. I mean if you go on Instagram you can now connect with your community straight away so I think the mothers out there are actually so inspiring to create a community for themselves and Keen is right though the whole town can benefit I mean the business community can benefit completely Um, I mean you know I suppose by having like an autism clinic in Mallow. I mean, we offer speech and language therapy, occupational therapy and psychology. So many families come into us, but they say that we might be the only place that they might have visited that day or they're going to say, oh, we're going to go home now. Or actually, a lot of families will go to the McDonald's drive through. Um, and that's, that's so sad, isn't it? Because it's much easier to go to the McDonald's drive through than to park in town and worry about getting a ticket, getting into McDonald's um, and then worrying that if something delays them in the process that they might even have a ticket on the way back out of McDonald's. Um, but it is, it's all those things of making people's life easier inside in town. You know, we have parking here in Mallow. We're very lucky where we're located and it means the families can actually just pull up and come straight into the clinic to us. Yeah. Um, because even a simple thing like that for somebody for, you know, a child could have a meltdown because there might be too much noise, too many flashing lights, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's hard for other families who don't have a child on the spectrum to understand that. Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes uh, you can see a child and, you know, you've no understanding of the context of what's actually going on for that child because actually it's very complex and it could be something that nobody can even see that's affecting them. It might be that actually a shop window has changed or where they go in to buy something in a shop has suddenly moved around and their journey actually into Mallowtown has now become different from what they knew as being a safe journey into Mallowtown. So it is things like social stories and so that the child can actually know what they're going to see when they're inside in town or people notifying customers if they're making huge changes inside their shop 
all of those things actually make a massive difference um, to somebody who's coming into Mallowtown doing, um, I suppose, maybe for them what they think is their routine step or their journey through town, but actually knowing that it is going to be predictable um, and that they can ha- help the child to have control of that well journey. Well done. And Keen, what does Mallow need to do to get this status? Do you need to engage with, did many businesses need to engage? Yeah, so we, we need to increase um, the percentage or we need to reach a particular percentage of businesses that are taking steps to become autism friendly. Um, it, it has to be a joined up effort. It has to be a full community, cross community effort. So we'll be uh, bringing in the local authority in the role that they play, the Gardaí, the tidy towns, schools, shops, dentists, businesses, as I said, um, it will it will have to be a cross community effort. And uh, the as I am, which is the one of the national autism charities, Simon Harris's brother. That's right, Adam. Yeah, Adam, yeah great and, guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they they come down and they assess. We're on their program now. Our application was accepted, so we're on their program great. at the moment. Yeah, it's great. And they're coming down this evening to the meeting, and they'll be giving a, a short presentation. But they administer the status um, and so we have to meet their criteria and they're strict with their criteria they're very very they strict are, and they have yeah. to be in they do and it's important that they yeah, are and they that the standards to. are upheld so who do you need to attend tonight everyone everyone it is okay. everyone yeah absolutely you um, need businesses and families everyone yeah. businesses families um, anyone that is involved in community groups uh, tidy towns um, sports local clubs local councillors sports clubs yeah. schools yeah. Okay. Yeah. We really need everyone to be there because, as I said, it's it's not just people that are directly or even indirectly affected uh, by autism, and uh, it's it's everyone. It's going to be a cross community initiative, and we do need everyone to pull together in order to. And are you it. getting good reaction to it so far? Great reaction. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. People are really happy yeah. to see us doing something positive. Um, it's absolutely within Mala's capability to achieve the status, and uh, there's no reason I don't see any reason why Mallow can't be the second town in Ireland to achieve it. Okay, all right, and and uh, I'm not ignoring it. And yes, I do know that Keen uh, is uh, running running for the local elections. How's your campaign going? It's going very well. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah, um, first time out. First time out. Yeah, it was my first political effort. Uh, people are very happy to see a younger face coming around, a fresh face, um, with new ideas, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, the response on the on the doors, as they say, is is positive. Very and positive. as the first time, are you happy to see your face on a poll in with the election poster? Um, it, it's not actually as daunting as I thought it was going to be. Um, but I am inviting uh, all of my family members to c- drive in and through Mallow and spend a bit of time in Mallow and see my face <laughs> up on anything and everything. <laughs> and because, in the interest of fairness, I have to mention the other uh, candidates that are running in the Mallow local electoral area, who who are Keen uh, Moriarty is running for Fianna Gael, also running Pat Hayes for Fianna Fáil. James Kennedy for Labour Lee Madden uh, also with Fina Gale Melissa Milan is running for Sinn Féin Gerald Murphy is running for Fianna Fáil and Tony O'Shea is running for Fianna Gale Good luck in the election Keen. Good luck at your meeting tonight Emily just to recap on where the meeting is and the time so of the, it The meeting tonight is at the Carrigoon GA Centre in Mallow and it's starting at 7.30 Okay alright and everybody is welcome to come along uh, Thank you both uh, for joining us in studio that is uh, Kean Moriarty and uh, Emily Ahern 1850-333-103 Our lines are open Rod Stewart is ready to rock Cork on May 25th. And C103 is celebrating with a massive cash giveaway. Win €3,000 with the Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play. Stay listening for these three songs. Song 1. Song 2. 
Uninterrupted and in that order, be caller 103 to win 3,000 euros. Remember our number, 1850-333-103. The Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play. Only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me catch up with some of your calls and comments coming into the programme. Big, big reaction, I have to say, to the piece on Bally Desmond and the uh, proposed storage facility of these batteries that uh, Kerry County Council have given planning for. And as we heard from Anita, one of the people objecting, and there are number of other people in the Bally Desmond area have formally put in an objection. They're now going down the Ambor Pinola route. Just some of the comments coming in. Mary is in Bally Desmond. She feels it was a disgrace the planning was given. Even if it, these batteries were to be put underground, they could explode. It could be the next Chernobyl. Can I just say, and I know people are liking it Chernobyl. Chernobyl is nuclear. Very different. I mean, we're not talking, this is not in any way nuclear power, but that's not to take away from the fears of local people. If there was a fire, there would be toxic uh, fumes, but they wouldn't be nuclear. Thank God. Anyway, Mary is fearful that if there was some kind of an explosion, there was some kind of a fire with the, at the battery storage facility, the black water could be destroyed. It would seep into the river. Uh, if one blew, if one did blow or go on fire, how long would it take before we would be allowed back into our homes? And if we do go back, would we have to fume everything including beds etc would they all be destroyed from these toxic fumes well from what I read over the weekend um, it's hard to get the you're basing it on information that's coming from other countries that has similar facilities and I suppose that's all we can do because there's no other facility this big here in Ireland that we can go and say well look this is this is how they operate this is what happened when they had a fire so you know the people who are objecting and the people who are concerned have to look overseas and I suppose that's the right thing to do. Go and look at facilities where they put in you know, the very same size batteries and the same number of batteries. Look at their history. What have they done? What have they learned? Has there been fires? If there was fires, what happened? Did they evacuate? And that's what the local people that are objecting, they're looking at research coming in from other countries and what I read uh, the evacuation had to be between three and ten minutes because of the, the toxic nature of the fumes from the fire and then I think it was 36 hours they've got to wait for the battery to burn out then once it's burnt out it's then people will be allowed back into their homes but 36 hours was what I saw uh, another caller rang to say on wind farms these developments should be done away with somebody not happy with the wind farms but we need more of the alternative ways of generating electricity. We have to come up with it uh, somehow. Uh, Sandy says, there are a lot of unknowns attached to the so-called green energy projects, including wind turbines that you're discussing today on the programme. The manufacturing programmes of which negates the benefits, Sandy feels. Companies that sneak in and don't inform the public give fuel to the arguments against worthwhile projects. In my opinion, the carbon output in the manufacture of wind turbines and the transportation, etc., surely fires outweigh the alternative of methane gas. That's methane gas production of digesters, which is cleaner and has less CO2s. Methane gas is a suitable alternative for trucks over four tonnes. Some companies like Diageo have gas powered Arctics. There's little publicity about this, as well as its use in power generation. Most solar power 
producing facilities require battery storage, the production, usage and disposal of which does require very careful supervision. And bear in mind, the planning permission by Kerry County Council has been given subject to conditions. So, I mean, you know, I'm assuming that there's going to be very strict conditions on this uh, and only time will tell as to what exactly is going to happen and if it goes down board, Planola, it could be overturned or if they give permission there may be extra conditions attached to it as well. As I say, we contacted Red uh, Phase because we'd love to have had them on the programme with Anita but unfortunately they haven't got uh, back to us. Other comments in from the Ballydesmond area. Dan says, every single politician should be run out of Ballydesmond because of their collection, collective inaction with regard to our lovely area being overrun with turbines and now potentially lethal battery storage comp- comp- compound. We have been left to fight this all on our own. None of them sent in any submissions to these developments. It's scandalous. They all just seem to be following party policy and then they have the neck to look for votes. They're brazen as hell says Dan. Now the texter says battery storage is dangerous and we have no faith in the government to do things properly. I live in Gwynavgwila which is the other village that could be affected, effective, affected and we are constantly having to battle with wind turbines being built too close to residential houses and battery storage now on top of that. Now Bottle Hill, Whitechurch, Navarre. Killavall and Glenville etc are all facing into the same fight. Our concerns appear to be ignored by local and national governments. And Sean Murphy by text says appalling decision by Kerry County Council. Corporate interests over the rights of locals in Ballydesmond. There was no consultation. Failure of public representatives says Sean. Someone else says regarding these battery storage facilities there's no fire service in Ireland according to this texter with the capability to put out the fires if one of these batteries did go up. And uh, someone else not happy with Kerry County Council. The Irish government are taking advantage of the people of Ireland. It appears to be profit before people. And on and on. That's just a snapshot of the texts and the calls and the WhatsApps that we're getting in people in that area. Certainly not happy at all. Okay, on other issues, Michael is out canvassing for a candidate for the local elections. Now he says, he's contacted, he said, I don't want to make a political statement here, but it's just something he's observed as he's going around out every evening and they're getting great weather, I have to say, for the canvas. He says he can't get over the amount of empty, vacant properties in villages surrounding Mallow. In Liscara last Friday night on the main street lots of empty houses. He saw similar when he was in Butterfant. He said the houses are there but they're not been utilised. He said and yeah it's only when you're out there and you're pounding the streets and you're walk, you know and you're going into areas that you, may, you mightn't be in a lot that you start to notice but Michael says really really taken aback at the amount of vacant properties and it that would sadden me in the villages because that would re-energise the villages if those houses were turned around. But maybe it's a case that people don't want to live there. I suppose we can't do up houses. You can't force people to live in an area if they don't want to live in an area. But I mean, the Scarrell and Bottom the two areas you mentioned, they're not that far away, say, if somebody was living, somebody was working, say, in Mallow or somebody was working in Cork City or if somebody was working in Limerick. It isn't that far away. Lots of people uh, commute. But uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of empty properties, which is a real, real shame. What's been done about it? I don't know. But all we seem to hear about is the housing crisis and the housing crisis uh, getting worse. 
Okay, this is on the broadband and the whole discussion about broadband and what's going to happen with broadband. We know that the government says it's going to cost three billion of taxpayers' money. The company who will be installing the broadband, according to Michael Creed, are putting in two hundred thousand. Somebody says, in terms of the broadband initiative, I think that it's important to be cynical about this project. Not only is the company who won the bid only putting up. 200,000. It is also important to remember that this company is not doing this to be good citizens, but they expect high returns from their investment. They will own all of the lines at the end of the day and then mark my words, they'll sell it to another ruthless company. It sounds like a very, very bad plan to me. I think the fact that the taxpayers' money will be used to fund it and needs to be used to fund it because people living in rural areas need their broadband the same as people in urban areas. But I think it's the fact at the end of it that the Irish government won't own it having put in all that money. And, you know, I said it earlier, I can understand why they need to invest the money. No commercial company is going to go in. But it's the fact that, what you know, what do they, at the end of it, should it come back, some of it come back, be owned by the government? having put in three billion, like three billion is a lot of money. And we know there's been a lot of talk with the three billion, when the three billion goes in, what other projects will suffer while that money is invested in putting the broadband in. But as I say, I know that I know only too well the concerns of rural Ireland. So I'm very nervous in any way about knocking this plan because I know how important broadband is to so many people and we're still getting in some calls in about the abuse that we kicked off the show with uh, earlier this morning when I spoke with Maureen or spoke with Mary in that pre-record interview from last Friday when she spoke about the abuse that she is suffering at the hands of an adult son who's living in the house uh, with her. Uh, Kieran says I do so feel for Mary but says Kieran, I also feel for the son Okay, He saw his father inflicting physical and emotional abuse on his mother. That's what he grew up with. He knew nothing else. That's all he saw. So he has his own issues. He may think this is the correct thing to do because his father did it and that's all he saw. It's the wrong way to think. But I do feel we've got to be seeing this from her son's side of it. Well, as I say, I do have sympathy for uh, Mary and I feel Mary needs to leave the home for her own safety. But then if she walks away from her family home, is she basically, are you saying walk away, Kieran, and let the son, is that what the son is trying to do? You would wonder. Is he trying to force the situation so that Mary will leave and that he ends up with the house? That's not... That wouldn't be a very nice thing to happen. I mean, Mary wants to remain in her own home, but she wants to feel safe and secure. And she's certainly not feeling safe and secure now. And I know I absolutely accept, and it was one of the points I put to Anne Dempsey of the senior line, the fact that that man was raised in a house with with abuse. Could that be an explanation for some of the uh, abuse. But you have to, on the flip side of that, remember that there were many people raised in households where they witnessed domestic violence and they don't go on to become abusers themselves. Some do. And, and, and there is an explanation. It would be an explanation for it. But that's not, that's not good enough. This is a man in his 40s. He needs to cop himself on. And what I don't like is the fact that Mary says when he gets drink in him, he gets worse. You know, and then when she has forced him out of the house three times with a barring order, he becomes all nice as pie and wants to come back and he can be nice. 
and then just for whatever reason he turns again but is some of the reasoning because he was his father was abusive to the mother yes yes but it's it's not enough he still needs to just cop himself on and Risha said so very sad listening to Mary earlier on on your programme Patricia we had a similar situation in our family it was very hard to prove the abuse my son was verbally abusing me and then in the end like what Mary outlined this morning he did hit me I don't think my family realised the extent of it until I broke down in tears one day to my daughter and to my other son in our situation my other son was living up the country but he tried his best to get his brother to stop that it came to a head one day when my abusive with my abusive son hitting my younger son who was trying to help me I did not know who, but for me, that was the final straw, seeing my youngest son on the floor. It was at that point in time we got the Gardaí involved. I think Mary should push the Gardaí more on this because we had to. And they will react. My abusive son does not now live with me anymore. We don't have a lot of contact with him, but he is getting to a better place now after a number of years. But it's awful as it does split the family. But isn't it interesting? Thank you for that, uh, Rita, and thank you for opening up and sharing that with us. But isn't it interesting that Rita herself was putting up with the abuse, but it was when her youngest was was hit. It kind of reminds me, and even though it was by her other her other child, it sort of reminds me of the uh, of a number of times over the years when I've interviewed women who have been in domestic violent situations, particularly very violent ones, and you say you know and they put up with it for years and years and years and then eventually they left and you'd always ask that question what was it you know what what was the turning point what made you finally leave and you know you would think maybe it was because the violence got you know or the abuse got too violent and you know there was a broken arm or a broken cheekbone or their teeth had been knocked out or something you would think that there was going to be something like that but I've lost count of the number of women I've spoken to over the years who who say he hit one of my children or he turned violent towards one of the children and that was the turning point it was when you see your own child you know and and in this case for Rita it was her youngest it was her baby even though he was an adult but when she saw him on the floor that was the straw that broke the camel's back even though she put up with the abuse from her own son herself so well done uh, Rita and you know what's lovely in your story is there's light at the end of that tunnel because it's a very dark journey that Mary, who spoke to us, is on at the moment. But, you know, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a chink of light, I think, the fact that she reached out to us and is now on that journey to getting the help that she needs. And that's and your story, I think, a lot of people can take comfort from as well. You're now living a happy life. And your son, in some ways, seems like he is getting his act together uh, as well. So thank you. I really appreciate your uh, call to 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Gagan Community Alert Meeting. That is uh, taking place uh, tonight it's at 8 o'clock and all are very welcome. McCroom Handball and Racquetball Club. They're looking for new members of all ages. Uh, returning players and novices particularly welcome. You can contact John at 086-817-5859. Community First Responder Information Meeting is at Connor Community Hall. That's on tonight at 8. Donnerail Active Retirement Group. They're meeting this afternoon at 3. Arts and Crafts beforehand at 2. And remember the Art Project with Sandra 
Deirdre Sheehan is every Tuesday from 2 to 4. The North Cork Mental Health Forum they will be held in Aurora on St. Joseph's Road half past six this evening and the HSC are hosting a free dementia information evening in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. That's on tonight at seven. All are uh, welcome. And the annual charity cycle that was postponed due to Storm Hannah is now taking place on Sunday the 18th of May. It's in aid of the local community council and Blue Columbanus in uh, Skibbereen. Um, just to remind people that it was cancelled but now goes ahead Saturday the 18th of May. This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Here's a little bit of a good news story for us. The family of the little boy who was severely injured, remember the hit and run in Mahan last March, has received some good news on his project progress. Two and a half year old Zach Higgins is being transferred to Cork University Hospital on Thursday of this week. He was diagnosed with a severe brain injury and doctors feared for his life. However, he's making huge progress. He is now able to walk. He no longer needs a feeding tube. Now, he still does have a long road ahead of him, but he is defying all the odds. Speaking to C103, senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran, Zach's mum, Ashleen Sexton, has been reacting to the news. Oh my God, it's like a weight has been lifted off her shoulders. It's like, I'm going home now today and I'm, I'm actually going to come back up Wednesday so that we can fill up the car and come down Thursday. You know, and so. are you able to transfer him down to CUH in your own car then? He doesn't have to go by ambulance? No, they say no. He, originally, last last week, two weeks ago when they were supposed to, when they originally said they were going to leave his coat, they were like, oh no, be an ambulance. But because he's standing up and walking and as in physically, like, he's great, like, it's just um, to bring him down in the car seat, in the car. That's know? just amazing, actually, it really is, you know? isn't it? So and it's just all about getting his, um, it's all about his, it's his brain, really, like, physically, he's doing great, like, he's walking. You I know, can't believe he he's walking. I mean, like, I only spoke to I you a couple of weeks ago and yeah. you were after getting, like, the worst diagnosis that you could possibly get, that his brain injury was so severe and he wasn't yeah. walking, talking, anything. And just tell me a little bit about how he has improved since then. Oh, well, basically, well, he couldn't even hold his head a few weeks ago. Like, he changes every day. Like, the physio said that she can't, she can't write even a report on him because he changes every day. He gets stronger every day, you know. So it's amazing, you know. He, he like he couldn't even hold his head three weeks ago. I remember asking them, "Do you think he'll walk?" And they were like, "Well, we don't know. It's up to him to tell us. We just don't know." And he started walking uh, three days ago. Wow! So he's able to walk on his own, is he? He's able to walk on his own. No, he's wobbly. You know, he's not sturdy. Like he's just like, but he will. That will come in time, you know. Because um, he has tremors from the injury, like, and and it's predominantly, it's more so in his hands than in his legs. But um, he's doing really well. You know? And what about talking? Is that um, is, there, is he so showing any signs? He is showing signs that he like he's making sounds and he's he's saying mama. Um, 
and I could have sworn he said Liverpool um, yesterday. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah, it was a bit muffled, but I, he's definitely trying, Scott. He can't at the moment, but we just hope that with the brain is that it grows new lines and it will the good part of the brain might override the bad part. And because he's so young, we're hopeful that that will happen, you know. And he had a lot of uh, broken bones. How are they healing now? Well, they only discovered um, two days ago that he actually had a fractured hip. Um, but it, they've they've done a CT scan on it and they're happy that it's healing well. So um, they're not going to do anything with it. So all his bones are healing. His feeding tube is gone. Like all those things. So it's just it's all about getting the brain to recover, which is all rehab. You know, physio, teeth, speaking language, play therapy. It's all those things. So I don't know whether they keep him in long, whether they just give him outpatients. I, I, I don't know what the plan is. Like, we don't know until they go down. So he'll get all that in CUH then, yeah? Yeah. Well, I, well at the moment, I, I suppose for the first couple of weeks he will. And then I presume he'll be discharged to some other. Um, but he'll be going to Dunleary anyway for the, the. And he'll be going to the National Rehabilitation Centre. He's waiting for a place there. But in the me- in the meantime, you know. So. Yeah, you don't know when he'd be going to Dunleary or how long he'd be going we there for. Know. We met with the nurse. Um, we met with the nurse from there two weeks ago, and she took all his details and everything. And he's on the waiting list. I can definitely go to Dunleary. They assess him then for the first two weeks that he'll be there, and then they'll give us a plan or a program of how long he will be there. You know. And actually, it must mean so much to you that you're going to be able to get him back down to Cork on Thursday because the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months since this has happened has been such a huge upheaval for you and the family. Oh, it's like a whole weight has been lifted off our shoulders. You know, like we'll be able to have some kind of normal family life if we're back in Cork. Like at the moment, me and Paul, we just, we don't even see each other. We just, one comes up and one goes down, you know, it's just, and then the kid, the other kids, it's not fair. My eldest son wasn't really coping very well. He's absolutely, absolutely ecstatic now to say that we're coming to Cork, you know. So, um, because what age is your eldest son? I mean, it must be a lot for him to try and come to terms with and understand what happened. Yeah, he's seven. Um, he's he's very upset by the whole thing. To be honest, he wasn't coping well. He's going where he's going to um, be referred on to a child psychologist because of the nature of what happened. He just seems to be scared of our house. He's scared of. Um, like if I'm upstairs and he's downstairs he won't stay downstairs by himself um, you know he's just very fearful of, of in general you know so um, so this is good that we're all going to be in Cork you know try and have some normality and Ashing, what would you say to the, to the people who has shown you and your family so much support since this happened I mean I know there's been a number of fundraisers there's been a GoFundMe page there's been so many messages of goodwill sent to you oh it's the support that we have gotten has been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, like, the messages that we got off people, I mean, not just from Cork, but, like, from all over the world. We've gotten texts from all over the world. Um, everyone has just been so nice, and everyone has kept Zach in, his, in their prayers. So I think that's after standing to him. There's no doubt that this, like, with Zach at the moment, that that's the result of... Um, of prayers, I, I, I've no doubt in my mind, you know. So, um, please God, we keep improving, you know. And so I'd say you'd be delighted to, to leave Temple Street now on Thursday. No disrespect to Temple Street. Oh, Temple Street are 
amazing. They're absolutely brilliant, Fiona. But, you know, it's like, I can't wait to go home. There's nothing like home. There's nothing like Cork. There's nothing like Cork people, you know. There's no place like home, isn't that fantastic? That is Ashleen Sexton. And thank you to Fiona Corkin, a senior news reporter, uh, for taking the time out. And thanks to Ashleen uh, for talking to us. Well, what fantastic news for little Zach and the family coming home. And he's just made so much progress in such a short space of time because when that initial, when the hit and run first happened and when he got transferred to Temple Street Children's Hospital, it just looked so bad. It just really looked so bad. The fact that it was a head injury, but bless his heart, he looks like he's a right little fighter, which is fantastic. So great news for the family. Really, really am thrilled for them. 1850 Can you get your nutritional questions in, please? Because going to take a break and then I'm back chatting with Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolly. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And we are off to Times Square in Ballancolic, where I'm joined by Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. On what is glorious weather, and it seems to lift everybody's spirit, doesn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely now. And I think the week somebody was telling me this morning is set to be nice, so we've got yeah. lots to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, it's great. It's really is terrific. OK, let's get straight into questions. Um, hi, question please for Annalise. Uh, my, I know that's been discussed uh, previously, but once again I ask. My 62-year-old husband has achy joints. He used to take fish oil supplement but needed to stop. Can he substitute flaxseed oil instead? Does turmeric help? Uh, glucosamine isn't doing much good anymore. Thanking you for any information that Annalise can pass on. Okay. So now, one of the reasons that you couldn't take a fish oil would be if you were on a blood thinner because fish oils will also keep the blood lovely and thin. So a lot of supplements are out when you're on a blood thinner. I don't know if it's that the case with this listener's husband, but turmeric and high strength would also be contraindicated if you're on one of those blood thinners. So you'd need to check with your GP to see if that would be, um, you know, if they would allow it to go ahead because the GPs can monitor it, you know, they can make sure that you're not taking too much and your blood isn't getting too thin. If you are on a blood thinner and you're taking something and you notice you cut yourself and it's really not stopping, then it's definitely, um, it's, it's causing your blood to become too thin and unable to clot. So the glucosamine is great because it is a building block for the joints and it takes time for it to work. It's a big molecule, so it takes a long time for it to actually get in to the joint um, in enough concentrations to be able to make a difference. But it sounds like this, and the inflammation now at this point is, is um, going along faster than the glucosamine is able to repair. So something like the turmeric is fantastic as a natural anti-inflammatory if this person isn't on a blood thinner. But if they're on another, if they're on a blood thinner, ones that another one that can work very well is something called Celadrin. Celadrin uh, you'll get in any health shop, and it's a very good natural anti-inflammatory. Boswellia is another one that's a very good natural anti-inflammatory, and that'll be safe with the blood thinner. Boswellia is actually frankincense, so you can see why um, the the three kings brought yeah. frankincense and her. Yeah. Frankincense is a most the most amazing natural anti-inflammatory and well, lots of research now looking into it with cancer etc so you'll be able to buy those those supplements in any health shop and there might be a few other ones if you just mentioned this um you know the the medications that you're on in the health shop they'll be able to choose a, a suitable one 
Okay, Martin in Mitchestown wonders, has Annalise any cure for corns on his feet? He has one. He's diabetic. Uh, so anything you could recommend suitable for, for diabetics? Diabetics suffer with feet problem, don't they? They do. And that's a lot to do with circulation issues. Patricia, because high blood sugar will damage the little proteins in the very fine capillaries, the very small ones, and they're not as good then as carrying blood and oxygen to the extremities. So I suppose the key really is to make sure that you are keeping those little blood vessels very healthy by managing your blood sugar, albeit with diet or medication. And there is a supplement that's very, very good for preventing that damage um, if you are pre-diabetic or diabetic, and it's called alpha-lipoic acid. It's spelled alpha, A-L-P-H-A, lipoic, L-I-P-O-I-C, acid. And you'll get that in any health shop. It's not actually an acid, like it's not acidic going into your yeah. stomach. Um, it, so that's very good for preventing the damage. Corns, my understanding now, I'm not being a foot specialist, I don't know, but I think they're a lot to do with rubbing of shoes, ill-fitting shoes. Or like I would have friends who'd have always worn a lot of high heels and they'd have a lot of corns now. And I don't think there's really any cure for those. You just have to go and get them treated by a Go to shiro- yeah, or a chiropodist. chiropodist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. talk to Posh Spice. She suffers yeah. really badly with her feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lister says, Hi, I do a lot of exercise, as in walking and jogging. I'm in my early 60s. I've heard magnesium powder is good. Are capsules for energy? I wonder what would Annalise recommend? Uh, by the way, I do take a vitamin B complex. Yeah, so vitamin B complex is a great one for energy, Patricia. And magnesium is a very important mineral in the body uh, for the energy pathways and cycles as well. It works together very well with vitamin B um, complex. The only problem I would have is that taking a high amount of magnesium might affect your ability to absorb calcium because they both compete for absorption. Now, when we get them in food, we're getting them in a nice ratio so your body will take what it needs. But if you're flooding the body with a high dose of something, it's always possible you'll push out another nutrient. So there's a big fashion for magnesium at the moment and I think people need to be careful about it. I always recommend for people, if they find it of benefit, that they take it at night time. Once they've had their day's food eaten and all the absorption of the calcium has kind of happened and worked from the food, at that point then there's very little chance you'll be interfering with the balance um, at night time. So take a magnesium at night if you want to try it. The best way to know if it's going to help you is take it for a month and see do you feel any better. But we do get quite a lot of magnesium from diet. Green leafy vegetables, if you're good at eating those, we will get them from nuts and seeds and whole grains. But the the really key ones are green leafy veg. So back to your sort of broccoli and cabbage and Brussels sprouts and all those great uh, vegetables. In the summer now, of course, rocket and lettuce. They'd be full of magnesium as well. Um, and put a sprinkle of chia seeds or linseeds on your, your breakfast seed in the cereal in the morning and you'll be getting plenty of magnesium there as well. OK, Mag says, Hi, question for Annalise. I'm in my early 60s and in line for a parathyroid operation. But at the moment, my stomach is very bloated and I'm feeling tired. Could you recommend anything for the bloating? So um, generally with the bloating, um, one of the best things to try is a probiotic and there is a probiotic called one week flat that's actually the name of the the title of the probiotic it's by a company called OptiBack, and i've had very good feedback on that i'd have a lot of people would take it before they want to go to an event and fit into a nice dress and it works very well to get the bloating down but if you're bloating on a regular basis then it's more important to really figure out is it that you're not digesting a particular food well 
Is it medication that's um, affecting the bacteria in your gut that's causing the bloating? But something is causing bloating and it's important to try and get to the root of the problem. Jonathan in Middleton has developed uh, eczema on his legs, two spots below his knee, one on his other foot. What would bring it on? He doesn't usually suffer with it. It's come on all of a sudden. Yeah, gosh, the body, Patricia, if we only knew um, why it does the things it does sometimes randomly. Generally, eczema is uh, an allergic reaction to something. um, And when you're stressed, it'll get a lot worse. If it's around areas where clothes rub, I always suspect uh, washing powders. And one of the worst things for people with sensitive skin are the um, fabric softeners because those chemicals get into the fabric and actually rub against, you know, they don't get rinsed off. They get they rub up your skin against your skin all day and they are chemicals. And we don't need fabric softener. So my rule of thumb is just don't do not Do you not it. use fabric softener? No, never. Not for the lovely smell on the sheets, no? Sure, it'll no. be gone in a few days anyway. <laughs> That's if you want true. a nice smell, actually, what you can do is you can put a few drops of essential oil into your wash yeah. and you'll get a lovely smell. So I'd often put in geranium. I love the smell of geranium. And lavender is a great one to put in for the rinse with your sheets because, of course, lavender is great for sleep. And put it in where you would put in the fabric softener? No, I don't put in fabric softener. I don't use it. No, but I'm saying you put it into the compartment in the washing machine with the fabric softener. Oh, I should give that a try. Yeah, and and you could also put it in with the... The The wash itself. The wash itself, yeah. The wash itself. Now, if you've got, like, you don't need a lot. It is an oil, so don't put it directly on clothes because Mm. then you'll have to scrub to get it out. Um, but yeah, so fa- fabric softener, what else would cause it? I mean, sometimes it can just be a change of water. Um, it could be a reaction to chlorine. If you're doing a lot of swimming, I notice a lot of my customers that swim tend to have a lot more problems with eczema. Um, generally, it's really hard to figure out the reason why. So the best thing to do is try and get a cream that will clear it up before it spreads. And the one of the ones I get the best success with is something called um, Salcura Zeoderm. Um, Z-E-O-D-E-R-M Zeoderm and that's a totally natural cream and it can work very well to dry up um, um, eczema patches like that and then sometimes if you're prone to eczema and if you get this kind of chicken skin on your your arms that kind of chicken skin look that could sometimes mean maybe that you're deficient in your essential fats your omega-3 fats so taking a good fish oil supplement or making sure that you're having oily fish three times a week and eating walnuts and um, and pumpkin seeds regularly will put those omega-3s back into your body and into your skin. Could you ask Annalise please what she thinks of using cod liver oil for rheumatoid arthritis? Fantastic for a number of reasons. Um, the first thing is that it's going to have vitamin D in there naturally and vitamin T for anybody who has got an autoimmune disorder vitamin D should be a basic supplement. Also, um, the fish oils, uh, which of cod liver oil is one, are very high in the omega-3 fats, and these are natural immune balancers. So when you have an autoimmune disorder, you're, the, immune, the side of your immune system that normally fights um, viruses and bacteria is now fighting your own body. So this will help to sort of rebalance um, the immune system and, and downregulate the cells that tend to do that damage. So it's very good from that perspective. And of course, the, 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 the natural anti-inflammatory effect of omega-3 fats 
of themselves is very good. So it's not going to cure anybody of rheumatoid arthritis, but it's one what, fantastic what thing in a battery. St- of okay, st- stay with rheumatoid arthritis. And there's two separate questions in. Uh, one to do with, with with rheumatoid arthritis and one for inflammation. Wondering CBD oil. One is asking what would would they help with the rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, another saying would you recommend it for inflammation? I'm sore all over. Yes. So when well, I sore all over is sore joints or sore muscle. If it's sore muscle, the magnesium we spoke of earlier is wonderful for that. And if it's sore joints, yes, cannabis oil is a wonderful natural anti-inflammatory. And actually, uh, I had a customer in this morning. She is kind of like my um, poster child for cannabis oil because this lady has rheumatoid arthritis and scoliosis and osteoporosis. And she has the most fantastic relief with the cannabis oil. She's able to get dressed now. She doesn't need to walk with her crutch. And she's been able to reduce her pain medication down to just every now and then. So when it works for you, it can work wonderfully. But if you do have um, an autoimmune disorder, you're probably going to need a high-strength cannabis oil. So you'll probably need a 15% one. The 5% one is just not going to do it for you. And give it a bit of time because because it's a natural anti-inflammatory. It'll take a while for the inflammation to die down and then for the repair to begin. So um, give it time. You're not going to notice the benefit in the first couple of weeks. Even though some people actually have come in with for pain management and they do find a, a very quick uh, uh, pain relief, relief from it yeah. as well, which is an, it's not anti-inflammatory. It's but more it, it, the way it works. But is it one of those things it works for some but not for everybody, Annalise? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But you know, Patricia, that's the same for nearly everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, And that's the yeah. same for a lot of medications as well. Um, and, you know, the, there's no sort of kind of set dose either, which is a difficult one because they will have a recommended dose on the, the sides of different packets of cannabis oil, but it, it's not, it's maybe not the right dose for you. So I always say to people, you're going to need to play around with it. Start on the recommended dose after the first week. If you don't notice the benefit, double it up. After and the third week, if you still had no benefit, double it up. You can't really overdose unless you were to drink a whole bottle down in one go and then you might feel a bit spacey. But um, other than that, it's it's hard to overdose on it. So you can play around with it and you can double and treble up the dose. And if you do that for a couple of weeks and you're still not noticing a benefit, then maybe it's not going to work for you. OK, and someone says that acupuncture is great for arthritis. Have you had any, yep. any results? can be, yeah, absolutely. And I'm a great believer in acupuncture myself. Um Again, it works fantastically for some people and not for others. I think arthritis, there's so many things at play, Patricia, like diet has a large part to play. I know that um, some people have a big problem with the deadly nightshade family of foods. So things like peppers, potatoes, tobacco, chili peppers, aubergines. Um, I'm missing out on a big one there now that I can't think of. But the deadly nightshade have got chemicals in there called certain alkaloids that seem to be very flary uppy for some people for arthritis and some people have a diet that's just lacking the essential vitamins and minerals um, some people have a lot of wear and tear from jobs or from over exercise so I think probably these people will also need to supplement with a specific joint supplement something that will rebuild the collagen and the um, the little uh, cushion of hyaluronic acid in between the joints that's important as well Okay, and uh, for everybody else, get out and enjoy. Get some vitamin D with the sunshine that's there at the moment. All right, we leave it there. Uh, Thank you for that, Annalise, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks.
Patricia. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Balancholic. She will be back with us next uh, Monday. And apologies if we didn't get to all of your questions. And um, that's where I wrap it up for today. Thank you for everybody who has contacted the show uh, this morning. And I know a lot of calls, particularly on uh, Mary. <coughs> the elderly lady with the abuse and we will check in with her to see how she's doing. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Hello, this is Rod Stewart on Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. C103 loves Rod Stewart and we can't wait to see him play Cork on May 25th. So to celebrate, we've given Rod his very own radio station. This is Radio Rod. All of my hits, all of the time. Radio Rod from C103 is live online playing Rod Stewart's greatest hits. Go to c103.ie and click listen live or download the C103 app to your phone. This is Rod Stewart. You're listening to Radio Rod. Radio Rod. His greatest hits 24 7. Counting down to May 25th. Only from C103. Thank you. Cork, the world of dating has changed. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships now begin on a dating site. At C103, our listeners are keen to meet a compatible other half and we're more than happy to make the introduction on our very own dating site. Register for free at c103dating.ie and meet new people that want to meet you too. Opportunity awaits. Start your love story today at c103dating.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.